Have you heard of this belief called universalism? Many people across the globe believe in universalism, and it is in many of our churches today. It's the idea that everyone will be in heaven when all things shake out, and that no one will experience hell or experience punishment for sins, even if they've never accepted Christ as their Savior. Some of you may think this idea sounds good, while others have some serious questions about universalism. On today's podcast, Joseph and I will be diving into what the Bible says about hell and judgment. Is hell a real place? Will people experience punishment in hell? How could an all-loving God send people to hell? Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Increased Theology Podcast, helping you increase in the knowledge of God. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Increased Theology Podcast. Today we are answering the question, are there really people in hell? Well, today we'll be discussing an idea called universalism. Is it biblical? Is it true? And I am Nathaniel Holscheiser, and I am joined by Joseph to discuss this important topic. So say hi, Joseph. Hello, how's it going? So I thought we'd just start off by asking the question, what is hell? Is hell even real? Um, and maybe it's just, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I have some thoughts I can pitch in, but I'll let you get the first straw to that one. Yeah, I got you. Um, if we look at the Bible, Jesus talks about hell quite a bit throughout, throughout the four gospels. He talks about it in terms of a final judgment. He also talks about in terms that, in terms of fire and, and brimstone. So, hell is a place, according to Jesus. He seems to think so quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, Jesus talks about hell more than any other person in the, in the whole Bible. More than any other person. He talks more about hell than he talks about heaven. Um, and so, you know, sometimes people say, well, hell's not real. I think when it all shakes out, we're all going to get to heaven. Well, Jesus seems to think that hell is a real place. You know, he talks about in Matthew 18, and if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire, right? the idea of the eternal fire. And then he continues, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it down, throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Uh, and I don't think he's actually telling you, yes, literally pop one of your eyes out. He's just showing the gravity of how bad this is, right? So if the way to get to heaven was to pop an eye out, you'd want to do it, mm-hmm. right? Now, thankfully, yeah. the way to heaven is provided through Jesus, not through our works or popping an eye out uh, or cutting an arm off or something. But he's just showing the gravity of how important this is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that word for the for the word of hell of fire is Gehenna, right? The idea yeah. of. Uh, it was like uh, that was a place in Jerusalem where they would burn the trash and there's this blazing hot fire. So he compares this eternal fire they spoke about earlier in the other verse to this thing called Gehenna, which we call hell. Yeah. It's really, it definitely does not seem like a good place. <laughs> like I know people talk about hell, like it's going to be a fun time. We're going to hang out. I'll see all my friends there. But definitely does not seem to be the type of place if Jesus is 
telling you to cut off limbs yeah. to avoid going there. Yeah, people make a joke about it so often. You know, I've, I've heard people say that they're going to party in hell or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's songs about it. You know, we're on a highway to hell or something. Yeah. But this isn't something to make light about. You know, this is something mm-hmm. serious. You know, and sometimes we'll, we'll just use it, you know, the idea flippantly, you know, someone says, you know, what the hell, right? Yeah. But that's not proper, right? Just to say that flippantly. If you're going to talk mm-hmm. about hell, you should talk about it in a serious manner. Right. And there's other verses Jesus talks about hell in Luke 12. He tells about, um, do not fear those who can kill the body, you know, meaning humans. And then after that, they have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he's killed, has authority to cast you into hell. That being God. Right. Mm-hmm. That's really who you're supposed to fear. Right. We yeah. think we we think there's so many things to fear here on Earth, you know, about other people or, you know, the news, whatever's going on. But that's what he's telling you to really fear, right? Yeah. It's, it's definitely interesting. Like, everything, everything that's here on Earth, like, there can be pretty bad at times. Like, there's war. We got viruses going around. We got, like, all this separation going on. We got mm-hmm. all that and can almost feel like that. It can feel like we're burning alive in hell, like, now. But that's going to be so, so, so much once it's actually there. It's like a concentrated form of, like, everything, like, back yeah. the world now. Like, right? it's, the, now. it's the wrath of God upon sinners, right? That's probably yeah. something we should note is that hell is, is it, it exists because of sinners, right? Yeah. Now, originally, it was made for the devil and his angels, but because we fell with Adam, right mm-hmm. um maybe a good verse for that would be in second thessalonians one it talks about that people will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the lord and from the glory of his might so when they when people say hell is separation from god i think that's really what they're saying is from mm-hmm. the presence of the lord now god's wrath will be there so in that sense he's there and he's omnipotent he's everywhere so in that mm-hmm. sense he is in hell but his presence as in you know um you know, like God is sometimes with Israel, but then when they disobeyed, he would, you know, kind of take, let his hand go and kind of let them go to their own devices. That's kind of what it's like. Um, and they're separated from the Lord and from the glory of his might. And when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints, to be marveled among all who have believed. So people who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ are not there, right? Yeah. So I think that's probably an important thing to note, right? It's for, it's because of sin, right? talks about matthew 13 how lawbreakers mm-hmm. right lawbreakers you're breaking the law that god has established yeah and it's also interesting note it's very interesting note is that people choose to be there like god's not forcing anybody mm-hmm. to get in to heaven that choice like hell is not a good place yeah <laughs> obviously to put it lightly yeah, you bring up a good point there about, like, people talk about how God could 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 put you know could put people in hell. Well, did He really put them in hell, or did they put themselves there originally? Right, yeah. and He's just being the judge. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, you can't complain when a judge judges a criminal. You can one in one sense say the criminal put himself in jail, right, if he mm-hmm. legitimately did the the crime. 
which we are all guilty of sin. So we, that's a legitimate, legitimate yeah. charge against us. And you can't even play the card that, that like this judge is unjust because we know from the scriptures that God is perfectly just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's perfect in everything he does, right? Perfect in everything. Um, there's a, there's so many um, New Testament, especially. There's some Old Testament. We'll touch on those maybe later. Um, but there's so many New Testament ideas about this, this place called hell. Um, sometimes the word is Hades in Greek. And then sometimes the word is Gehenna. I think those are two different things. But it's the same idea in that there, there's wrath of God because of our sin upon us in those two different um, places, those two different ideas. Um, so is hell a real place? Jesus seems to think so. Jesus seems to think so. And he speaks about it throughout the gospels. The epistles speak about it. So the apostles believe that hell is real. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. They didn't make light of it. They thought it was very real and that people were going to be there. Right. And people are there because they're judged from their sin. So maybe that's also a good thing to bring up. The question is like, are there people who are separated from God because of sin? Yeah. When, yeah. When you read scripture, it seems pretty clear to me. It definitely does. Right. All have sin. Yeah. All sin comes short of the glory of God. So we'll touch on the idea of universalism, but the idea of universalism is going to go against that. Mm -hmm. Right. The idea of universalism is going to go against the idea that, um, not necessarily that all of sin, but that we're going to be under judgment because of our sin. Yeah. Right. And in, in John three eighteen, whoever believes in him being God is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. First John five talks about whoever has a son has life or does not have the son does not have life. So you see throughout scripture, there's people that are judged and there's people that are saved. It's people that are under the wrath of God, and there's people that are not under the wrath of God. People who are condemned, people who are not condemned. Right? The idea of being condemned, that's a judicial word, right? Like yeah. the judge is saying guilty. So there's some people that are guilty, and there's some people in the eyes of Christ, because they have their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, are seen as innocent, as not guilty. Yeah. And in order for that, for that um, innocence like to be declared, Jesus had to take the wrath of God on the cross so he paid for that wrath mm -hmm. already which allows us to become innocent in that sense yeah right whoever believes in the son has life right yeah you know whoever does not believe in the son does not uh, shall not see life the wrath of god abides on him or remains on him there's also sometimes people say well maybe hell is only temporary it's not eternal there's so many verses talked about as the eternal fire, but this verse I just quoted, John 3, 36, that the wrath of God remains on him or abides on him, right? It's just like living, it's, it's living there, right? It's mm -hmm. just abiding, staying, remaining on him. It's not, it doesn't stop, mm -hmm. right? Just as there's eternal um, paradise, right? Eternal um, peace with God. There's also eternal wrath with God for those who don't want to be with God. Yeah. It's a contrast to, like, you know the hymn? It goes like, it's, um, I think it's called, like, Abide, Abide With Me. 
That sounds. That sounds. Gonna abide with me. I think yeah, I heard that one. So like, in that hymn, like, the premise of him is like Christ asking Christ to abide with us. So we have Christ's presence with us, like, as like with us all the time, and the wrath of God, like also, also like as a contrast, abiding with us as well. So that. That con there's many contrasts here, like you know, like heaven mm-hmm. and hell. And with this we have like abiding with raft or abiding with Christ and with mm-hmm. with yeah. love, with like innocence, not with sin. Yeah, it's a very biblical idea, right? There yeah. is those who are under judgment and those who are not under judgment. Those who are guilty, those who are innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, not innocent because of their works. Their works don't make them innocent. That what makes them innocent in the sight of God is the work, as you said, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. And sadly, some people um, don't don't want God. They don't desire that relationship. Right. You think of um, in Luke about the um, rich man and Lazarus. Right. Mm-hmm. That that story that Jesus tells about how Lazarus goes into um, hell, or it's called Hades in the Greek, and he ex- is experiencing torment, and then Lazarus is up in, in paradise. It's called Abraham's bosom, but it's also, it's the same as paradise. And there's this gap. He says that you can't come over here. Um, you had your life, and you didn't want God, and Lazarus had his life, and he um, wanted God, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important. It's important to pursue God in this life and not the things that are temporary. So it's mm-hmm. just like in Mark where the um, one rich man, he asked Jesus, what does he need to do to attain eternal life? And like Jesus told him, you must sell everything you have and follow me. So, and he went away very, very sad. Like, he wasn't willing to give up the world for what was eternal. Yeah. So I think that's an important to pull out that that relationship needs to be a priority in our lives and not, not focused on the temporary things and even our, like, the sins that we hold dear, like, not focusing on that because in the end it's not going to pay off too well not gonna go yeah off. and god's not going to force you into heaven yeah right yeah forced love is kind of contradictory yeah yeah maybe we could maybe we should just touch on that right people ask about why um why would a loving god if he truly is all love and he loves us why would he ever send anyone into eternal torment right yeah eternal torment where they seem seem to know that they're being tormented they're conscious about it mm-hmm. right and you kind of touched on there well if they don't want to be with him then where are they where else are they going to be yeah right because he's all good and if you're separated from the presence of god as second thessalonians talks about mm-hmm. well if you don't want god then apparently you don't want goodness either Mm-hmm. Reality, right? He's the source of all goodness. 
mm-hmm. like the source of all love. He's the source. If you don't want to be the source, like, it's like, okay, I'm trying to think of a good, like, analogy. Like, you don't, um, sorry. Like, a light, maybe. Like, if you don't like the light, like, why will you get closer to the light bulb? Yeah, like John talks about, uh, men love darkness rather than light. Yeah. Because their deeds are evil. Mm-hmm. Right? And I've heard an analogy that, you know, if a man, you know, sees a woman and he, um, you know, has interest in her, and he asks her and she keeps rejecting him, he asks her and asks her and asks her over again, you know, she keeps rejecting him over and over and over again. Would it be loving for him to force, <laughs> force her, right? Yeah. Force her have a relationship with me. No, that wouldn't be good. If he truly loved her, he'd say, okay, you know, your will be done. Mm-hmm. Right? There's that That's real love. Yeah, you right? have the, um, the respect there for the other person. You respect them enough. You love them enough. Like, with love comes that respect. Um, God respects our free will enough. Because he's like infinite love. So like on a whole nother level. That he's even will. He does not want to override that free will. Mm-hmm. If it means. And Yeah. Like um, relationship goes two ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Goes two ways. Um, and obviously when a relationship's wrong between me and God. It's not God's fault. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not God's fault. Um, it's my fault. Um. And, and, you know, another idea about this question about why would a loving God send people to hell, right? Mm-hmm. Is that um, he's just, mm-hmm. right? So why would he send someone there? Because he's justice. Um, and sin demands that there be separation from God, right? Sin brings yeah. death, right? Mm-hmm. You can't really have life and death in in the same room too much. They're mm-hmm. quite they're quite like they're quite like fire and water. They don't get along too well. And if you're like like if someone really wronged you, right? If someone comes and you know brutally abuses like your family or something, mm-hmm. something very terrible, and God said, even though they never repented. And they never admitted they were wrong. I'm going to have them experience eternal paradise in my kingdom. How loving of a God is that? Right? Yeah, at that point, like, does he really care? Does he really care? Yeah, exactly. That, that a, a God, like, if we had a, a judge and he's, there was someone that came in that um, was a brutal murderer. And the judge said, you know what? I love you. I'm just going to let you off the hook. Will we call him a, a good judge, a loving judge? Yeah. Right. Like if we have, if we had a truly loving judge, he would bring justice fair and square, whatever mm. is required. Yeah. And if you read the scriptures, sin brings death, right? The wages of sin is death. Right. Romans yeah. speaks about that. Very, very true. Very true. Um, maybe you want to touch on, um, since you had uh, done some work on it, um, what, what is universalism? Um, okay. you, you can talk a little bit of like where it came from. 
Okay, so pretty much universalism is the belief that everybody ultimately gets heaven. Essentially, this can be like presented like in multiple ways. Like it's sometimes presenting as like Jesus's work on the cross, like atoned for everybody, and it's also can be presenting as like like regardless, everybody gets into heaven. Well, like, even, this is a bit outside universalism, but, like, all paths lead to God, essentially. Like, as long as you're sincere a religion, like, you'll get there. So, that's kind of, but universalism that we talk, we're particularly talking about here is, like, the one that everybody ultimately gets to heaven. And, like, nobody's in hell. So, yeah. So, it started out with his name was or Orgin, and he was a pretty smart guy back in the church. Apparently, he has some doctrines that he has worked out were very, very good. This is not one of them. So he, he essentially started this, and it has kind of persisted in the church like ever since. Like it got, it came across into America during, during um, the colonial era and took root here quite a bit through quite a few leaders in that. Like the Unitarians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, now here we have um, the Unitarian and the Universalist Church kind of merged. So now they're a formal organization as of the 1960s. 1960s, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, there's this belief is still around, and like even if you don't like ascribe to like universalism, like it's still present. It's still present among the church quite a bit, even if you don't formally say like, yes, that you're a universal. In fact, people will purposely avoid the label universalism or universalist, right? Because they know it comes with a baggage. In some sense, even though they would like, I know, um, I think Rob Bell does not like being called a universalist, but if you asked him, is anyone going to be in hell? He would give you probably a long, you know, drawn out answer, basically saying no. And that's just if, when you read the scriptures, you know, as they are intended, and Rob Bell doesn't believe that the scriptures are inerrant or, you know, that kind of, anything like that. You know, if you're trying just to read the scriptures as, God intended them and as the apostles and the prophets who wrote them intended them to be read you just don't get that mm-hmm. you don't right. come to those conclusions there's clearly eternal punishment for those who do not want to be with God mm-hmm. that's just clear from scripture in fact I think Origen was condemned in fact check me on this but I think Origen was condemned uh, for his heresy on that like in early church history because he was around in the, I want to say third century yeah third century yeah right it's pretty early yeah so this is a i mean and this is just um idea that uh i mean it kind of gets merged into even just regular western culture like people won't say they might say not say something like everyone's going to go to heaven but they'll say Mm -hmm. like basically unless you like murder somebody you're going to go to heaven 
Yeah, unless you're like really, really bad. Really, really bad, which but isn't like, universalism, um, yeah. but you can see the connection, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You can see the connection there. Like, um, I found a quote a couple days. Uh, I was, it was a paper I was reading. Let me read you the quote and then I can get your reaction from it. This is a couple years ago. There was a study done about American teens. This is in 2005, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just, uh, they were just uh, trying to figure out what teens actually believed in terms of religious belief. There's sociologists from Notre Dame, all this stuff. So this is from a 14-year-old girl in 2005. Now, I know she's a teenager, so I don't want to hit her too hard. But at the mm-hmm. same time, who is she learning this from, right? Probably from yeah. adults. And this is, I mean, when I read this, this is exactly what people think of. So here's the quote. She's talking about her religious belief. She says, morals play a large part in religion. Morals are good if they are healthy for society. Like Christianity, which is all I know, the values you get from like the Ten Commandments, I think every religion is important in its own respect. You know, if you're Muslim, then Islam is the way for you. If you're Jewish, well, that's great too. If you're Christian, well, good for you. It's just whatever makes you feel good about you. Yeah. Um, at that point, like, it's a very you-centered, like, view. Like, it seems very much so, like, about what do I need to do? What's good for me? And, like, she seems to apply that a bit to society, but it's definitely not focused on on God, which... Certainly. Certainly not on God. Yeah. And you can see how universalism would lead to this kind of idea, right? Mm-hmm. That... um the universalists think everyone's going to heaven. There's no coming judgment. And it's a very appealing idea to the world. Yeah. But not all things, you know, that glitter are gold, mm-hmm. right? Like this, like it glitters, but it's going to bring eternal destruction because someone thinks that they're going to heaven because they, you know, helped you know old granny cross the street right and they're trying to be a good person mm-hmm. but scripture teaches no one's good in the sight of god in terms of you know judicial ju- judgment in terms of going to heaven no one's good right mm-hmm. no one you know and you hear you hear um they'll say you know everyone's going to heaven and then that leads you into bad things and then you're you're maybe more worried about playing nice with other religions who are teaching things that are unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, it definitely can go down that road. I think for a lot of people, like, because hell is a really hard concept mm-hmm. like, when you get down to it. Like, the idea of people, like, going to eternal judgment, that's not a comfortable idea to have. And I'm definitely, I would think that a lot of people, they might shy away from the idea of hell because like they don't want anybody to perish. They don't want to believe that any, anybody would perish. And like, or, they, or, they, um, or they just want to play nice with people. Yeah. 
But a firefighter is not playing nice if he tells you there's no fire. Yes. Right? Precisely. I mean, I've heard people say, we don't, you know, at our vacation Bible school, we don't talk about, you know, hell or judgment or anything because we don't want to, you know, scare the kids. Now, I understand maybe trying to balance, not just trying to scare people into heaven. Mm -hmm. I get that. But to not discuss it at all. Well, that's you're, I mean, throughout the Bible, you get judgment, right? I mean, the beginning of the the Bible, Adam and Eve are judged. You know, Noah's, uh, during the time of Noah, the world is judged, right? Because of sin. It's Mm -hmm. always God saying, repent of your sins or judgment's going to be coming. And more often than not, people receive the judgment. And that's how it's going to be in eternity, right? The, 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 uh, the, the road is wide and narrow to hell, right? Mm-hmm. And it wide, I mean, wide and, the, and sorry, the road is wide to hell and, and narrow to heaven. Um, and so, I mean, through, I mean, not only do you have, I mean, then you have, you know, God judging the Egyptians, you know, saying, mm-hmm. you know, you need to obey me or I'm going to judge you. And they, they keep getting warned and warned and warned and they, and they don't do it until really it's too late. Yeah. And then you have, you know, God judges the Canaanites for their actions. He had sent them prophets like Melchizedek. And they had heard, Rahab talked about how they had heard about the miracles. And most of those nations didn't repent. Most mm-hmm. of those people didn't repent. If you did, that's great news. Or you hear about Israel. God didn't play the different games with the Canaanites and with the Israelites, right? Mm-hmm. The Israelites were judged for their sin because they were doing the exact same thing as the Canaanites were doing. And mm-hmm. God kept warning them, prophet, prophet, prophet. And no, no repentance and people are judged. So throughout the scriptures, you just see this over and over again, that God is saying, I'm going to judge you for your sin unless you repent. And that's the message throughout the Bible. And then there's a few instances in the Bible where people do repent, like Nineveh and Jonah, you know, the book of Jonah, Nineveh mm-hmm. repents and God relents of his judgment that he's bringing on them. And these are all like little, if you will, like microcosms or, or I don't know if that's the great word. But they're little examples, basically, of the real eternal truth, which is mm-hmm. that God is going to judge sin ultimately on Judgment Day. Yeah. They're like motifs in a way. Motif is probably a better word. Yeah. And if you look at, if you look at Jesus and like John, John, John the Baptist, that is, like they they like stress quite a bit to repent. Like that's mm-hmm. the good news. Like let's see in John. Yeah, we have um, Jesus in um, Mark um, chapter one, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went in the Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So like that's like pretty central to the gospel. Repenting mm-hmm. is quite strong. Yeah, repent and be converted, right? The like repent and converted is like the idea of turning around. Like you're going one way down to the wide road to hell, and you're gonna turn around because you're trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? You're you're making a 180, if you will, changing course. Yeah, it's like, have you watched The Chosen? Uh, no, I haven't. I'm, a fam- I'm familiar with it, but yeah, I haven't watched the whole thing yet. But we're getting there. But like in the starting, the starting sequence, like the title sequence at the start of it, there's this image of 
fish swimming. Like they're all swimming the same direction in a big school. Mm. Then you have one fish, which is like in a bluish color and it's swimming against the stream. And I think that's, that's supposed to represent Jesus. And then other, other fish start completely turning around against the school of fish as well and mm-hmm. following Jesus. So that's, that's, I think that's a pretty, pretty important image of what, what's going on there when you yeah. talk to repent. And the grit and the, you know, Jesus never said our message was going to be popular. Mm-hmm. He talked about being a stumbling block. Um, he talked about how, how people will get persecuted who spread the message. He talked about, you know, how people are going to die even for mm-hmm. the cause. Um, but just because something is hard is not because it just doesn't mean it's not true. It might just mean you don't want it to be true. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm better than others because I don't struggle with this specific topic. I'm sure there's other topics where I probably, you know, I, my own biases constrain me, but this is one where it's just, if you read the scriptures and take them seriously, this is one where you're going to find out, you know, there is judgment coming. You know, I'm, uh, I, have, I have up here Hebrews 9, and just as is appointed for man once to die, and after this comes judgment, so Christ, having offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly await him. So maybe we, uh, we should end off with a little invitation to come to Christ. You know, that verse there talks about there's a point for man once to die, and then after this comes judgment. Um, and, but there's also those who will appear before Christ saved because they accepted his gift of salvation, right? So can you know where, that you're getting saved? Yes, if you put your trust in the mm-hmm. Lord Jesus Christ. You can't know for everybody else, but you can know for yourself. Know yeah. for yourself. You know, Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me um, has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So if you heard his words, and you trust him who sent him, you trust in Jesus, you have eternal life. Yes. And that's a very important, it's very important to know about that, that because like we have this judgment coming and knowing that we can't, there is a way to get saved. There is a way to avoid this. And when we talk, when we talk about hell, like, we also need to talk about the love of God that he himself, like, he came himself in the person of Jesus to die on the cross, which is, which is an amazing love at that point. Right. John like, three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We even forgot that part about a loving, like why would a loving God send people to hell? Well, he doesn't want them to go to hell. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Right. Because he, he sent his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah. If you look at um, Matthew, um, Matthew um, 23, um, verse 37, Jesus, and this is after, after just to give some context, he's giving a whole bunch, seven woes to to Jerusalem after what he sees is going on. And at the end though, like after all, after he speaks of all these things, 
He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So in this, Jesus, Jesus wants to gather them all together like a hen gather her chicks. That's a very, very tender love. Mm-hmm. And even, even though, like, they kill the prophets and they stone those, like, you think if you're killing prophets, that's not a great, oh, killing anybody is terrible. But killing those specifically sent to you to tell you to believe, that's quite a crime there. But still, Jesus, if you think how I've longed to gather you together, and if you repent, you can be gathered. So that's yeah. important to know as well. Yeah. And we can thank the Lord for that too. Yes. It's no- nothing on our account, but, but through, um, through the grace of God. That seems like a good place to leave off. So we thank you for listening to this episode of the Increased Theology Podcast. We'll hope you'll join us next time. You can find us wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else. So thank you.